With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm Ed McGrogan here today with Steve Tigner, Richard Pagliaro. This is the podcast where you cannot say the word Australian Open. It's, it's, it's over now. That was it. We're moving on from the major that – go ahead. What were we going to say? We're moving on from the major that, that takes up all the attention, even through February, and moving into March's big tournaments in Indian Wells and Miami. And uh, I want to kind of bounce some players off you guys because uh, I think the month potentially could mean a lot for um, any of them. You know, there's a lot to be gained, of course, with, with 4,000 points on the offer on the men's side especially. Um, so let's you know let's start off with uh, with one of the men I want to discuss who we heard from in February, Thomas Burdich. Um Very nice run into a title, Rotterdam, and um, and so Burdich, where does he go from here? We've asked this question many many years ago, and we probably still catch ourselves asking it a lot. So Richard, what do you what do you expect from him first of all? Well, he's he's playing really well. I think he's won twelve of his last thirteen. You know, since that loss to uh, Varinka, I he seems a little bit more relaxed to me since Davis Cup last year. Defending it, he was very sort of loose there, and uh, he's playing well. I think the tra- the tough transition for him will be going from like Rotterdam, where he's indoors. Now they're in Dubai outdoors, and then the conditions in Indian Wells and and Miami, where he can get that wind, and he's got the super high ball toss. He's a very flat hitter, but he's played well there in Miami and Indian Wells both. So I. I think he, he, you know, he doesn't match up well with Djokovic or Nadal, but uh, just about anybody else. I mean, he was in that match with Varenka. He gave him a real good match. So I think this is a real a high time for him, you know. And it's funny because he had had that 16-month drought without winning a title. Maybe Rotterdam will spur him. Yeah, a and bit. and even you know that 16-month drought. The the funny thing is that he that may have been one of his most consistent yeah. periods of his career in terms of. Um, ranking and getting to deeper rounds of events. And Burdich also, it, it strikes me that when you mention about his Davis Cup success the past two years, and it seems like he's backing off of that a little bit this year, definitely not committing to an away tie. I believe it's in Japan or for the Czechs. You know, that strikes me as kind of Burdich really assessing where he's at in his career. This is probably 
sort of like Vavrinka in a way, kind of realizing that if this is the time, if he ever wants to really make that push, it yeah, needs to, to happen the, yeah, now, now at this time, prime yeah. of his career. Yeah, it's interesting. He plays Sanga next in Dubai, and it, you, like you look at their two careers, whose career would you rather have? They both went been to one major final. They both haven't won maybe as many titles as I thought they right. both would, but it would it'd be interesting to see who's going to have the longevity among between the two of them. Right. Um, did you want to? Yeah, I guess with Burdich, it's you know just winning a tournament is a, probably a you would think would be a big deal to him because it's not just that he loses to the top guys. He has trouble finishing any tournaments. He's, he's the last Masters he won was the only one he won in 2005, and we know he's never won a Slam. So, so winning tournaments, if he, you know, if that tournament in Rotterdam, which wasn't a bad event, a 500 level event, you know, we'll we'll see whether that does anything for him going forward. But I would think that's something a little that's a, that's a good push for him and also the two of the top four big four Murray and Federer they're ranked below him now right um he can't it doesn't seem like he can beat Djokovic or Nadal but it, he can beat Federer and Murray so he must feel or he should feel at least a little closer to the to a, a winning position in these big tournaments and also seeing Vavrinka do it you know that has to that has to have an effect yeah it, it does seem like it's gonna have a spillover it, it's you can kind of sense it in the way players have talked about it after matches that Varinka's win was kind of a, 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 you know, a breakthrough moment for everybody in a way. Um, let's go to the women's side, Victoria Zarenka, who had success um, in Australia the past two years, um, not this year, and we're kind of wondering where, where her place is in this year's pecking order. Um you know, slipping outside of the top three right now. But, you know, this has been – she's pretty much been just as good at Indian Wells as she has traditionally been in Melbourne. She loves these hard courts in particular. So, you know, assuming she is healthy, what should we kind of expect from her? Well, it's just, it seems to me to be a big um, time of year for her. She she always starts the year well. She always does well in Australia, but that didn't happen this year. She lost to Redwanska. And she's also been – you know, we've talked about Del Potro being hurt and worrying about him for the future. Azarenka is just hurt, been been hurt so often. She really hasn't done much in part because of injuries and and almost it seems like a maybe just a bit of a slump since last year's U.S. Open since she lost to Serena. And now you you um, you see that Serena's maybe has not quite as dominant as she has been. She lost in Australia and she lost in Dubai. This would seem to me to be a big moment for Azarenka to to get back on a, a winning track and to see that Serena herself is vulnerable. You know, Azarenka's has won in, in um, Indian Wells and Miami. So if she doesn't do much at this point of the year, then she's not really dominant on clay, not really, has never won at Wimbledon. This is really a time, you know, if she doesn't win or do well at this time of year, you wonder, what, you know, when the next time she will. Right, yeah. It, it's one of the few times, as you say, about Serena's vulnerability that you could you could conceivably see someone like, uh, Azarenka or Lina, if they were strong, consistent enough throughout the year to, you know, potentially even take the number one spot if if thing if these trends continued here. So, um, Richard, I'll go back to you unless you want to add anything on Azarenka, but we'll talk about a, a similar player to Azarenka um, based on past performance, Djokovic, uh, who you know for the first time this year, like Azarenka, doesn't win in Melbourne. But Djokovic, you know, it, it's much more of an uh, it's much more of an urgent 
feeling I'm getting from fans and, and wondering, you know, kind of when is Djokovic really going to kind of wake up and for, for this year, like it's, I think people feel like it's two months in, we haven't heard him. Uh, we haven't, you know, seen him win, win a title. He hasn't had that big breakthrough, not breakthrough, just a big match against any of the top players. He obviously goes down to, um, to Vavrinka in Melbourne. So, you know, for Djokovic, Pretty big month, I would think. Yeah, I think it's it's a pretty critical month, and I think he's kind of shaped his schedule where, not that he's going all in, but he's placing a lot of emphasis on his confidence to perform Indian Wells and Miami back-to-back. And the thing in Miami is he lost last year to Haas, I think, pretty early. So I think he's only defending like 90 points in Miami, and he's always played well there. And Indian Wells, I think he was a s- semis last year. He lost to semis. He uh, lost Del Potro. Potro. Right. Yeah. So I I think what he's done by taking the break is not only give himself time to to sort of cope and get over that Australian Open loss, but sort of rest and and recharge for this push into March because these are, you know, like you said, he's played a lot less tennis than these. Look at what Silic has played or Burdich has played or or even Rafa compared to, to Djokovic, and he just hasn't put in the the, the, uh, the time on the match court yet. So I think he, I think it shows to me that he is confident, even though people want to see him, you know, what's wrong with Djokovic. People forget the guy had a huge, you know, run at the end of finish the last year. He played some of his best tennis at the end of the year. It was, to me, more of a timing thing, but I think, to your point, it would be good for him to at least get to the final or win one of these next two, also to alleviate the whole questions with Becker, why is Becker here, what is he finds himself every interview sort of justifying the whole yeah, mental the higher... thing with Becker. And it's just like, look, winning is the ultimate answer. When you win, then people are going to stop asking you about why did you feel the need to get Becker in there. Yeah, for, for Djokovic, who has won both of these back-to-back before and, as you say, is is clearly capable of long extended runs of just dominance, really. It's He's a player who, you know, it would not be a surprise to see, you know, something of that turn on if he was able to, you know, of course, you know, win those pivotal matches at the end there. You know, he is a, you know, hardcore player first and foremost, and, you know, this is, again, the bread and butter. And then the other thing for Djokovic I, I do just wonder about is, it, you know, Going into this year and going into the previous two years, he has always made explicit mention of how critical the French Open is right. to him and to, to finally win that, to beat Rafa there, I think, by extension. And, and you know, it, it seems that he is going to, again, put all his chips in for that part of the season. And, you know, if you think of it that way, you do wonder really what the, uh, you know, how critical these events are for him in, in that respect, because the season is going to reset itself right after Miami, of course. So. And he won Monte Carlo last year, if I'm not mistaken. So he's, Yeah, over you know, Rafa. Right. Yeah. So. yeah, I think with Djokovic, I think you're right, Richard, about the Becker situation. It could turn into a media, almost a media problem for him if he keeps, if he doesn't win a tournament soon. He, he might win in Dubai this week, and that'll lessen that. Right. But, right. but the whole, it's almost a, a distraction it could become a distraction for him and I think you know he's like you said he he sets him you know he sets his sights on the French Open each year and I think he has again I think if he plays that means these tournaments if he plays Nadal that to me is a you know could be an indication that could be a moment when he'll he'll really focus and want to win a match like that just to set the stage yeah coming into the clay season yeah of course um Steve, I'll go back to you with Roger Federer. Another 
He's in Dubai. He just won a few hours ago before we, we recorded this. Um, Roger Will has been active in this month, Davis Cup, and in, um, in Dubai, of course. We'll see him when the spotlight is at its greatest, which, you know, in recent years has really kind of been when he has actually not played his best. So, um, you know, March for Federer, you know, what does it mean to him at age 32 and a half after he's won these titles over and over again? Well, he hasn't won either of them for a long time. Um, so it's probably not critical to him to win these tournaments. But he also said at the beginning of the year that he um, he uh, wanted to focus. He, he thought he would be playing his best tennis around now in, in the spring. Um, not in Australia. He was sort of saying, I'm I'm sort of ramping up in Australia, but by the spring I'll be I'll be um, playing my best. So I think that that you know that in itself puts a little pressure on him to show something. Is he going to continue to be a step behind Nadal, Djokovic, maybe Murray? Um, so in that sense, I think these tournaments are important for him. I should correct myself. He did win Indian Wells um, two years ago, but I think I think as he looks to, I think he'll want to to focus on these tournaments in that sense because he's he seems to have aimed at the middle of the year as you know he's told people that that's when he thinks he'll be playing his best. Do we know if um Edberg will be with Federer in these two events? It seemed like he was he's scheduled he was for, contracted to be in pretty much the big the biggest he's of scheduled the, for 12 weeks. I I don't know whether he's going to be in Indian Wells or Kibiscane, but I think Kibiscane might make sense as as a tournament he would he would come to yeah yeah well um and and you know now it's been quite a few months since Federer has uh still blacked out racket still it's all, he's still the, all using black. the blacked out racket he's using the bigger racket I mean he's been he played well today but he also had some of the same issues that we've seen he he um he backed off a little from the attacking play that he wanted to use at the start he, his forehand was off a little bit he had trouble closing it out but he also one positive for this match is when it went bad, it didn't go really bad the way it tended to do for him in 2013. So, yeah. So we'll see. A um, couple other players I'm going to make some comments on and let you guys jump in whenever you want. You know, I think someone who is not going to have a very good month of March, I, I'm going to keep going with her Her sl- her struggle with Sloane Stevens. I don't think that the – I think she's doing herself, quite honestly, a pretty big disservice by really – you know, when she is when she has referenced kind of the attention that she's received, and, and in fairness to her, this is all brought upon by the people that are, are making this attention the media themselves. You know, she, I, I just don't feel like she is handling it the the expectations which come with the territory for her. I just don't think it's it's being handled very well on her end. Um, I think that is clearly reflecting on on what we're seeing on the court from her. You know, when I see her, when you watch her, especially in person, it, it's amazing some of the shots, uh, the easy power that she's able to generate. Um, you know, I saw it at Wimbledon last year and, of course, around times, you know, at the U.S. Open um, nearby. But it, it, it's it's not looking very good for Sloane Stevens, certainly not through February with her two losses in Doha and Dubai. And I'm not really sensing a, a turnaround at this point. I think maybe this is this is a thing that's going to have to work itself out. Um, you know, honestly, at the lower tournament levels, maybe those summer U.S. events where, 
you know, of course, with Sloan, she's not done well in those type of events. She's really only done well at the slams, which I think is another thing that in a way is held against her and, and is seen as a, um, you know, an impasse to cross. So, um, yeah, that's my thought on Sloan there. And I, and I think some other players of note this month, you know, another woman, Simona Halep, again, sort of health-based, but this is this is kind of clearly the uh, the rising ranking for her now in the top 10. And, and I think it would be interesting to see more of when she gets those matches against, um, you know, the top, top competition at the top, top events. And we could see that at any Wells in Miami. Finally, Stan Wawrinka, who I'll, I'll let you guys kind of weigh in on him. You know, we haven't seen him at all since um, determined that she'll not be named. So what are, what are our thoughts on, on Stan? Uh, it's It's been a long time, but he, you know, the last time we saw him, he was pretty damn good. Yeah, everybody's waiting for Stan now. You know, Stan's the king. He, he comes in at the last second and just for the big ones now. But I guess that's what winning, two, getting 2,000 ranking points at winning the tournament in Melbourne um, will do. Now, he doesn't have to play the 250s anymore. He dropped out of Rotterdam and Marseille afterwards because he doesn't need the ranking points now. But, but um, we'll see. I would predict that he will have a slump until the clay court season, that he – I. If you were saying that Stan's not going to have a great March, I would agree that it's going to be hard for him. I think he might have a bit of a letdown in these next couple of events with, you know, with the amount of pressure. I mean, he could he could do as well. Obviously, we can we've seen that he can play, he can beat anybody. But I would I would think that this would be a, a time would be right for him to to have a little bit of a letdown. I think now that you sort of mentioned the clay for him, he has obviously done very well on clay in the past. I think we perhaps forget that he could also be just as big of a factor as Roland Garros when it gets to that point with the kind of game he has and that would he be... loves clay he won the juniors there um he can't beat Nadal on it but or he has never even come close but but um the clay is a good surface for him maybe some closing thoughts from you Richard on Stan whomever else I've mentioned whoever else I didn't mention any anybody else for March that uh is you know someone worth watching you know, I'd say with Sloan, it's it, to me, it's more emotional than technical, or it's more a, a mentality and intensity that she just seems, when things aren't going right, to disengage and unplug. Whereas she has the ability, like the speed, she can defend, she can attack, where she could just hang in and play really sound defense until her serve starts clicking, the forehands. But she doesn't do that too often. She just is like. It's a little bit like query, like, oh, well, it's not my day. And it's like, no, Sloan, you got to make it your day. you got to find a way to get through those matches instead of just, oh, it's not my day. I'm in Doha or Dubai. You know, you got to have more purpose to your play and have a way to sort of recover through those lulls. And I think if she gets to that point, you know, the ability is there and she has that kind of star presence where, like you said, she does – really, really get up for the majors. But it's like, if you want to be a top five player, you got to produce that week in and week out and not just when the muse kind of moves you. And I don't think she's mentally there yet for me. Just thinking of a couple other just notes for the month. Uh, you know, Roger will play Miami. He did not play that last year. It probably wouldn't surprise me if Rafa didn't play in Miami only because I, you know, I do want to, I do wonder where, where we leave off on this Rafa injury tale. Um, he is he, scheduled to play Miami at the okay. moment, but we'll see. He, he's, he's, he's always a presence at Indian Wells, you know, for a lot of reasons. And um, if you think if he got to the 
Indian Wells final, you think he would still play Miami? I don't know. He dropped out of it last year. It's possible he could if his various injuries or the fact that he played in Rio. I mean, we should I sh- we should say that Rafa, even though I guess the year hasn't gone really the way he completely the way he'd hoped. He's he's won two out of the three tournaments right. he's played and he's made the final. The other, and I think winning in Rio, heading for these tournaments was a good win to kind of especially get, the match points where he could have. Yeah. You know, right. It could have been like a Zabayos situation, you know, from and and he didn't let it happen. Yeah, and then we'll see uh, Serena in Miami after an ever so brief thought that she might play Indian Wells. So um, that's kind of your primer for the month for Indian Wells, Miami, and the top players there. So, you know, we'll be covering those very extensively. Steve will be out at Indian Wells. Pete will go down to Miami. We'll have a lot of coverage of both here um, on Tennis.com and on the podcast, of course. So come back next week for the podcast. For Steve Richard, I'm Ed. Thanks for listening. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. Tennis.com.